You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Good morning, my dear friends. It's so good to be with you again. And I am Jeff Kunselman, superintendent of the Northwestern Ohio District Church of the Nazarene. I've been in Lima a lot this week. <laughs> hey, let me give you an update. Thank you, first of all, for this, this, just this wonderful time of worship. Pastor Jonathan and all your team, thank you so much. Just sense the presence of the Lord. At least we did on the front row, didn't we? I mean, we were having church down here, and uh, it's just, just wonderful to sense the presence of the Lord. Allow me to give you an update in regard to where we're at in the pastoral process, transitional process. This week, your church board um, and I met with three prospective pastors and had um, conversations with each of them in three successive nights, and now we're in a period of reflection and prayer and trying, everyone is, all three of those pastors as well as the church board, and we're all just trying to seek What's the Lord saying to us? And so I especially ask you these days to be praying uh, for us as we're in this part of of the process now. And as Pastor Brad so kindly mentioned, the gathering, all of our churches coming together for services down at our district center and campground at at St. Mary's, and I'm so looking forward to all of that. It's a great week of services, kicks off next Sunday night, and as Pastor Jonathan's already mentioned, if you will go to nwonaz.org, you can get all of the details. We have a variety of speakers and preachers. We have services in the mornings and in the evenings. Our theme this year is This Is My Story, and so there are some great stories of of redemption. There are stories of grace. There are stories of hope. There are stories of comebacks, marvelous stories that people will be telling all through uh, the week. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, I've asked uh, Carrie to, uh, to come and preach. We have such respect. The entire Northwestern Iowa District has such respect for Carrie and her ministry. And I've asked Carrie to come and speak that night in regard to rewriting the script of your life with God's help. And that's going to be a powerful night, I, I believe, for us, just as people come to understand that all the better. I didn't say anything in the first service about this because I didn't want to draw attention to him or make him feel uncomfortable. But sitting down here in the first service with me was Deontay Holyfield. Deontay, you've heard me talk before and others talk about the ministry we have over at Allen Oakwood. I always get, I always get that one to say Oakdale. It's Oakwood over there and uh, what, what's called Nazarene Inside Bible Institute. They named it. We didn't. And, and we're, they're going through this material from the Church of the Nazarene that prepares people who are studying for, the, for, the, for Christian ministry. And, and they wanted this. And I talked about this last time I was here, so I don't want to go into all of that. Well, a marvelous thing happened five or six weeks ago, and Deontay is out now. And he's living right here in Lima and, and, and doing so 
so very well, and, and I've asked Pastor Brad to interview him that night there on Tuesday night as part of that service. It's going to be a wonderful evening there. Wednesday night, uh, Kyle DeLong, he's kicked out of two Nazarene universities, arrested like 15 different times, and it's just this, this prodigal story of running away, but God brought him back. And now he's pastoring two churches in North Carolina, has his powerful uh, recovery ministries. If you're part of recovery ministry, you might want to think about being there to that Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Thursday is uh, Andre and Mariana Texte. He is the director of Nazarene Compassionate Ministries in Ukraine. We had to get special permission, and it took a little bit of work, special permission from the Ukrainian government to get him here to be with us for that. That's, and I just think, you know, we're just, I'm, I'm so burdened about the people uh, that are going through this awful experience, really on both sides that didn't want it, but especially for the people of Ukraine and what they're going through there. And I just, I'm just, wanting our district to be together, to stand there, to say, we're with you, we're, we're, we're backing you. You know, he's, somebody gave him a van, and so he's been transporting people out of the country on the way back in. He, he carries uh, food and other items back into the soldiers for Ukraine. It's, it's just quite a story what all he's involved in. He pastors a church in Kiev, and, and so that will be then. There's others, nwonaz.org. Well, has, as has been mentioned, this is Pentecost. Pentecost was originally a Jewish uh, festival celebrating the giving of the law to Moses. But we Christians commemorated and celebrated as the coming of the Holy Spirit upon those 120 believers gathered in that upper room. The account, as has already been read to us this morning, is Acts chapter 2, from which I will be referencing. The fact is I could preach dozens and dozens of messages from Acts 2 and never move uh, never be on the same theme. There's so much in all of that. But for this morning, I just want to go really high up and go big picture in the overall, the overall picture and, and, and what the Lord was up to and is up to through all of this. And uh, no surprise to you, but there may be a few stories that I tell along the way. At least a week and a half before Pentecost, Jesus had said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's very little evidence of Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit with his disciples until much later in his ministry. And then very shortly before his death, he talked with them about his going and the Spirit's coming as we find in the 14th chapter of John. Now, in one of his last conversations, he is speaking to them again of the Holy Spirit. He wanted them to know that the Spirit is coming. He wanted them to know the reality of the Holy Spirit, that as real as he was, that is as real as Jesus was, whom they could see, the Spirit too, whom they would not be able to see with physical eyes, would be just as much among them. And he wanted them to know they were not going to be left alone, but that the Spirit would be right there with them. And he wanted them to know of the Spirit and to recognize him and to experience the Spirit, not just outwardly, but inwardly also. Two weeks ago, my wife Mona had hip replacement surgery here in Lima. So we got up early that morning and got into the, the parking lot and and we had prayer uh, before we went in and thanked the Lord that we live in a day that has such technology available and 
Thank the Lord for the surgeon and others who would be caring uh, for Mona that day and just entrusting her to his good care and favor. And then we went in. And, uh, you know, that's, that's when the ball starts rolling and, you know, she's got to sign in, social security number, and still checking on her birth date, making sure that's, you know, that it actually happened and so forth. And then, you know, you sit down, wait a little bit, and then they called her back and told me I couldn't come back yet. So after, oh, I suppose 45 minutes or so, they, they brought me back. And, and Mona's just got, Mona's got a beautiful smile, and she's just got a, a big laugh. And I mean, it just, it just fills the room, and, and it just makes everybody feel good when, when Mona's around. But Mona doesn't giggle much. But when I walked into the room, she giggled, just, it's like, okay. And then she says, I feel good. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, you sound good. And in the Mayberry and Andy Griffith, it's the most ready reference I have for all things in life. It just sort of took me back to uh, Aunt B and the ladies of the, Christ of the Church Aid Society in the day they had unknowingly imbibed a little too much of uh, Colonel Harvey's Indian elixir. You know, just the same thing, season three, episode 24, if you want to see it. <laughs> but anyway, a uh, bit of a fan. So, you know, nurses still coming in and checking on her and, and all that. And, you know, came in, wrote on her leg, make sure they got the right one and so forth. And so then I, then, you know, it's my time to leave and gave her a kiss goodbye and, and went out. So after a couple hours, you know, the surgeon, he, he meets with me and says, yeah, you know, it was worse than what we thought. It, it's no wonder she was, you know, struggling. I said, well, yeah, she's, she's tough. She doesn't give in easy. And, uh, and they said, well, well, we'll get you back here after a bit. So I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe, maybe an hour, I don't know. They, they brought me back uh, to where she was at then. And she's talking in a whisper. And I, I won't try to do that because you'll have a hard time hearing me. But in a, in a whisper, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying to her, how are you? I'm, I feel okay. And I said, well, they feel like it was successful and things are going to be okay. Okay. You know, how are you feeling? I'm all right, I'm all right. Then she says, I, I have a story for you. I said, you do? She said, yeah. She says, you remember the last nurse just before you left? I said, yeah. She says, real, real classy looking lady, real stylish lady. And, and, and you remember her hair? And, and she starts describing her hair to me. And I'm like, well, I'm getting the old Mona back here. You know, we're, we're back to hairstyles. And, and, and she's describing her to me. And I, said, I said, yeah. I, she said, well, when you left, she asked me, is that your husband? Better been. I kissed her. <laughs> anyway, Mona said, yeah. And she said, was well, he ever been a patient here? No. Was he on television? No. Hmm. Well, I know his voice from somewhere. Mona said, uh, well, any chance you go to Lima Community Church? She said, yes, I, I do. Mona said, 
well, my husband's preached there several times. And she said, oh yeah, that's who that is. Which ought to say to all of you, I have a very forgettable face, but this voice will haunt you forever. So then the nurse began to tell Mona, and I don't know, ma'am, you may be here, you may have been in the first service, you may be watching this morning, but thank you for taking such good care of Mona. But, but she started telling how she ended up here at Lima Community. And, and she said, you know, I, I grew up going to church, went to church, we had our family church, went there, all, all of that. And I'm giving you a very, very abridged version of all of this. But uh, she said, I had a coworker that uh, went to Lyman Community. She was so excited about her church, always talking about her church, the things that were going on at her church, the things she was learning at her church, the things she was experienced when she went to, went to church. And, and she just went on and on. And she said, I, you know, I just finally said, well, I'd like to go with you one time. And so she came here to church and she's telling Moses, she said, so I went. She said, I went to church there and I felt... And Mona said she didn't say what she felt. She just said she felt. Mona said, I repeated it after. You felt. And she said, we've been there ever since. Over the years that I pastored, there'd be people who would visit from time to time and on their way out, they'd have this look in their eyes, almost a fearful look, sometimes with emotion. And I knew what they were going to say before they said it. I don't know what that was, but I've never felt that in my life. Listen to me, I absolutely do not stand here to say Oh, yeah, we got the Holy Spirit at Lima Community, you know, as if he doesn't go anywhere else. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he's real and he can be experienced. And sometimes some of us who have lived in his presence become acclimated to his presence that we almost forget how real he really is until it takes somebody that hasn't been that closely in his presence and they come into his presence like, oh, my Somebody else is here. <laughs> At the same time, while I'm on this, allow me to take just a little detour. It ought to put a, I, I said the first service, but I think I want to rephrase this. I said the first service ought to scare us. I think what I'd rather say is it, it absolutely ought to put a, a reverent, holy fear in us. You read that in the Acts of the Apostles as you go on, and, and, there, was, and there was great joy and there was fear at the same time, their fear among the people because they had been and they had seen the presence of the, the Holy Spirit. See, I'm a, I'm a big peanut butter lover. I, I eat it by the spoonful. I always have. Probably if I would have quit, I wouldn't have bought these pants that got these extenders in the waistline. <clears throat> I mean, I just go through. I was at Kroger's this week, you know? Since Mona can't get out, I shop. The three Ps, potato chips, peanut butter, and pop. And uh, <laughs> I hope she heals soon. Uh, 
Anyway, I was, I was buying it, and it actually, this is, this is truth, Dean. And it's all been truth so far. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I was in the middle of checking it out there. And it stopped. It stopped checking me out. And it was one of those call attendant things. And I didn't know what was going on. I said, well, I'm doing everything right. And the lady came over and she says, she says, well, there's probably a message for you on your receipt. I said, oh, I never had that before. She says, and she looked at it. She says, do you buy a lot of peanut butter? <laughs> I said, yeah. She says, well, they're telling you that, that Jif has some kind of a salmonella outbreak. So anyway, don't buy Jif right now. <laughs> but I still remember the day my mom came home when I was a teenager and she bought this great big tub of peanut butter or supposedly peanut butter home, but it said big letters right on the top of the, of the tub, artificial imitation peanut butter. How close is that to even being close to real? Was there even a peanut in the thing? We did some scary things in the 70s. You say, where are you going? You see, I've been around the church a long time. And there's the real presence of God. And there is the artificial imitation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we ought to be scared to death of the latter. When we try to make something happen, when, we, when we've even seen the Spirit do something one time and that was really cool, let's make that happen again. Let's manipulate emotions in, in such a way that people will walk out and say, wow, that was the presence of God, whether it really was the presence of God or not. And I would submit to you that we have a sincerity. I'm not saying that we do. I pray that we do. But that we make it our absolute conviction that we have a sincerity that when we come, we have come in a spirit of prayer and our, there is an openness within us. Come, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want. Draw us near to you. Do your own creative work among us. And that we don't become purveyors or addicts of the artificial imitations of the Holy Spirit and of his presence. This leads me to do a second thought here, the resource of the Holy Spirit. Again, back to Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, as we read earlier. Suddenly a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. The oft-used expression, especially among church people in our day, is that that was such a God thing. Well, we know sometimes it is, and... For skeptics like me, sometimes I stand and say, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Some things, though, you absolutely know are God things. That you just say, there's no way this could have happened except that, that God did it. Well, what happened on Pentecost was undoubtedly one of those God things. I mean, nobody else is going to pull that off. Tongues of fire, wind blowing, and all of that. It was just an absolute God thing. It was the demonstration of the coming of the Spirit, but also the resource of the Spirit and the creative Spirit who can do things that nobody else can do, which is a pretty good litmus test of, was this really a God thing or not? Because if it couldn't have happened any other 
other way, what else is your explanation? So I was pastoring Columbia, South Carolina. Fella, oh, I don't know, probably about 40 years of age, starts attending. We had um, three sets of seats down on the floor, and, and then we had risers that went up on the side. And um, he, he started coming, sat about halfway up. They were half price over there. And he sat about halfway, that was funny. And he sat about halfway up over there. Just started coming. Man, I noticed him, got his name. Um, his name was Mike. And, and it's nice, good, good having you, Mike. You know, and you got to know about South Carolina. I mean, there's a lot of churches and there are a lot of people that, you know, go to church and, and been around. And I mean, it just, they're all, there's a lot of churches. So you get people, you know, when that happens, you get a lot of people moving around churches. And, and you know, and, and he just, he just looked ordinary, you know, and, and on the way out after second service, he'd, if I, I was at, if I happened to be at the door where he went out, you know, he'd, he'd say that, that was good. And then he'd go on. Well, I mean, months went by. And I'm embarrassed to tell this. I really am, that it took me this long before I got personally acquainted with him. Months went by. I just sort of made some assumptions about him and, and, and went on my way. He, more often than not, wore a blue shirt. So I wore a blue shirt this morning just thinking about him. So one day I said to him, Hey, Mike, Tell me your story. I said, how'd you end up here? He says, well, I'd, I never went to church, never read the Bible, ever. And uh, he, he was the director of recreation for uh, Columbia City Parks. That's what he did, the whole, whole city. He said, never went to church. And he said, evenings, I'd, he was single. He said, I'd come home and put in my Walkman, some of you are old enough to remember those, and radio stations, actually turned a dial or pressed a button and all that stuff. And he, he said, I had my stations I listened to and had my earphones in. And he said, I just take my walks and listen to my music while I, while I was walking. He said, one night, he said, I was walking and he said, I couldn't get my regular stations. He said, in fact, there was only one station that I could get. And he said it was WMHK, which is the big contemporary Christian music station there in, in Columbia. He said, I'd never listened to that before in my life. He said, but I just started listening to it. I figured better than no music, so I just started listening to it. He said, when I walked the next night, says the same thing. He says, my radio wouldn't pick up anything else. He said, I got to liking the music. Thought, this is good. I liked it. He said, one night I was out here walking and I walked by your church here. He said, it was like a voice said to me, you ought to go there. So I did. And all at once I'm like, whoa, he's not just another Baptist. <sighs> he's moving in. He doesn't know anything. Get ready. I'm going to lead him to Jesus. And I started to, but he'd already done that. He listened to me preach about how God so loves you that he sent his son to die for you. And anybody who confesses their sins and has faith in him can receive him into your life and, and live forever with him. He'd already done all of that. And I didn't know it. I did get to baptize him though. So what do you chalk that up to? I've never had that happen before. I've never had that happen since. Anyway, 
this is all just addendum here. A year or so goes by and this lady starts showing up with him. And I'm like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find out who she is. I don't want her messing him up. Uh, you know, discipleship by protection. So I find out she, here she's a Christian, and that's they'd met and started dating. One day he comes to me after church. He says, uh, "Hey, Pastor Jeff, I'm I'm going to propose next week." He said, "I was wondering, would it be would it be okay with you if I proposed down here at the altar?" And I'm thinking. How unbelievably cool is this that a guy two years ago that never been in a church, never read a Bible, never anything, and somehow got interrupted on his radio station by, how do you explain it? Couldn't pick up anything else in a voice that says, you ought to go in there, and now the most romantic place he can think of, the altar at the front of the church. It's the resource of the Spirit to do things that otherwise cannot happen. And that leads me. And they, they got married, involved, actively involved in, in ministry to children in that community to the day I left, and as far as I know, still are. That leads me to one more big thought, and that pertains to the reasons or the reason of the Spirit's resourcing. Jesus had said to them on a mountain in Galilee, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's quite a statement to <laughs> that bunch all nations, all the world. And then he said to them these words from Acts 1 that we've already referenced. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, back to my skepticism. You know, this, people come along these days and they talk about having a prophetic word or somebody spoke a prophetic word over them. I don't always know what to do with that. When somebody tells me that they've got a prophetic word for me, I'm sort of like, well, you tell it to me and then I'll, I'll, I'll help decide whether I think it's prophetic or not. At least I ought to get a vote in the matter, don't you? But absolutely, this is a prophetic word. This is Jesus. This isn't just, hey, you guys need to get going after I get out of here. This is him saying, this is what is going to happen to you. You are going to be witnesses of me all over the world. And indeed, they were. And so here we have it, all these Jews from other parts of the world in Jerusalem speaking many languages, and now these working-class guys from Galilee who'd probably never made it on the honor roll are declaring the wonders and glory of God to them. The resourcing of the Spirit for the reason of the mission of Jesus. So in our little tribe of Nazarenes. There's about 30,000 congregations around the world, 165 countries. We're in more places, than, far more than McDonald's. Uh, got better hamburgers too. Um, so we got this thing called a general board. And it's from people all over the world. It's supposed to be a four-year term because of COVID. It's been six years this time. And in this really, really crazy way, I ended up on this thing. 
And, and so then they send a note out saying, what committee would you like to be on? They got four committees. I said, just put me wherever you need me. So they put me on the Global Missions Committee. And part of our work is to interview people who have been serving what I'll call provisionally as missionaries for consideration as full status as commissioned global missionaries, lifetime missionaries. So we're in all these countries. We've got missionaries from 45 different countries. I mean, that ought to bless our, or, or mess up our, our North American. We're going to go, we're, we're the ones that are going to go save the rest. We've got missionaries from 45 countries around the world to all of these other countries. So 2021, roll it back a year, we interviewed this South Korean couple named Ming Yun Hood Um and Ji Jung Lee. I think we've got a picture of them somewhere coming up here. For the sake of people like me, they go by Sonny and Lisa. Thank you very much. So they're from South Korea. They got sent to Mongolia. You know where Mongolia is at? I mean, Mongolia, Mongolia, they got sent there as pioneer missionaries, pioneers as in the sense we've never sent missionaries there before from at least our denomination. So they go to Mongolia. Mongolia is sandwiched between Russia and China. It's known for its vast rugged expanses. I mean, when, they, when I was reading their application and I'm going through all of that and knowing I had to interview them, I thought, I better get familiar with Mongolia. And I couldn't have told you two cents about Mongolia. So I'm online and checking all this, this stuff out. So that's where it's at. Known for its, its ruggedness, only gets four inches of rain a year and thus very little of the land is arable. 30% of the population is nomadic, just constantly uh, moving around. Travel site I read said, quote, everything in Mongolia has a tendency to break down and thus visitors should plan for lengthy delays as to religion, 50% of the population is Buddhist. 40% identify no religious affiliation. How's that for a place to go, to be sent, to live? Think of that. Put all of that together. And here's these, this little South Korean couple that gets sent to Mongolia. Not with some big team. Not, not with a big splash. Just the two of them going into Mongolia. Here, go plant the church of the Nazarene in Mongolia. So time came for questions, and it was my task to lead it off. And so I asked, well, how do you share the gospel in a place like Mongolia? And Sonny very softly and slowly and in good English replied, well, we meet people. We invite them to our home for my, to have some of my wife's Korean cooking. And then we become friends with them. And then we share the gospel of Jesus with them. I thought, that sounds really nice. That's, that's good. I'm, you know, I'm like, that's a good thing. But I wasn't going to ask, how's it going? I mean, you know. I mean, they were willing to go to Mongolia, of all places. You know, just, just that they're there and willing to go. Give them a break, Jeff. Just let it go at that. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not asking how it's going. But we got British people on our committee. You know what they're like? You ever watch Parliament? I mean, they just stand there and chew at each other. And so sure enough, just true to form, Befitting the stereotype, one of the Brits on our committee says, and so, how is that going? 
I'm like, oh, give them a break. I'm thinking it. I didn't say it. And Sonny says, hmm, fairly well. So far, I mean, they've only been there like three, four years max. So far, we have 30 house churches. Hallelujah is right. 30 house churches in Mongolia sent by the Spirit, resourced by the Spirit, called by the Spirit, watered by the Spirit, blessed by the Spirit. And Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Mongolia, and the ends of the world. 2022, time for interviews. We're on Zoom. Another South Korean couple, Jong Jil Kim, Sun Ju Kim. They were Buddhists. Went to Australia for graduate school, he did, for computer engineering. Had six automobile accidents the first three years that he was there. As he stated, it caused him to consider his mortality. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> I guess so. Meets a Christian pastor of all things, gets to know him a little bit, and this Christian pastor gives him a Bible. Now, you know any other book that somebody gives you, you begin to read where? At the beginning. Yeah, thank you. We're having church on the front row. Thank you very much. Had, had uh, we read the book at the beginning. But when we give somebody a Bible, what do we tell them to do? We tell them, oh, go over here about three quarters of the way through your Bible and start in a book called John or Mark or someplace like that. And we all sort of know the reason behind that. Uh, Genesis, that's pretty interesting. That's good. But we don't want them to get to Leviticus. It's like, oh, that'll throw them off track. We want them to get to Jesus right away. The pastor forgot to tell him. And he started at the beginning. Genesis 1.1, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's, it, it just captivated this Buddhist mentality. He had never been presented with the idea that there is a creator, a God, one God who made it all and was, was over all. And he wanted to know who is this God? And this Christian pastor led him to Jesus. He started growing in the Lord, being discipled felt like the Lord was calling him to be in ministry. They go back to South Korea, go to Korean Nazarene University, prepare for the gospel, to preach the gospel. And what happens? They graduate and the Lord sends them back to Australia. Look where they're at. See that red? The very western edge of Australia. And you know who's there? 
aboriginal Australians. You've got this South Korean couple gone to literally, as I would call it, the ends of the earth, and there they are leading these aborigines to faith in Jesus Christ, planting churches all over the place. It was the prophetic word of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and around the world. And that's for you and me too. By the way, you know that money you give for faith promise? It's to support people like what I just told you about. You're, you couldn't make a greater investment in all the world than what you're doing. That's just a commercial for faith promise. I want you to feel good about it. So here we are. Pentecost. I've heard preachers, several preachers over the years say, we, we just need to have another Pentecost. And they talk like if we would just pray hard enough it's, that we'd have another Pentecost. Well, I don't think they literally expect there to be tongues of fire and, and, and wind in the room. And I appreciate their passion and their concern and, and that there would, would be another Pentecost. But I don't know that that's going to happen because it already has happened. And our place isn't try to recreate that, but it's to live into the reality that he is here and he is among us. And he's still doing these things that he said he would do. He still is real. He still is a resource who can do things nobody else can do. <laughs> and he's still all about getting the message out of Jesus. So let me conclude. So my folks are in their early 80s. My dad uh, was a businessman and sort of did the Jonah thing. And God called him to preach and dad ran more out of fear than anything else. Finally, one day, he just said, okay. So he ended up being a pastor for 30 years until he retired. So mom and Mona were in the kitchen and dad's sitting there in his recliner and I'm on the couch. He looks at me. You know, you know what I mean when your dad just sort of looks at you a certain way? Like, okay. We're done with light conversation for a minute. It's coming. He leans forward and he says, he starts nodding, which is code language in our family. Here comes. Don't know what, but he starts nodding and he says, your mom's been reading from Acts for our devotions in the evenings. He's nodding. It's like, Okay. I said, well, that's good. I mean, you got to understand how many times he's read Acts, preached from Acts. How many times I've read Acts, preached from Acts, pastored all those years, both of us. And he's sitting there looking at me. Eye to eye, he says, 
there's some big stuff in there. <laughs> Just like I'd never read it before. Just like he'd never read it before. So I'm not much of one to tell people what they ought to do. I, I'm really not. But just maybe if, you know, think about this. Maybe read an extra chapter of the Bible the next 28 days and read through the book of Acts, just one chapter a day, and read it through the lens of what was the Spirit doing. And then when you get to 29, which isn't in the print, that's you and me. Ask him, what do you want to do now? What are you doing now? I invite you to stand with me, please. You see, he still is real. And he's still doing. Just like he did then. So I want you to do something with me. Why don't you take your hand and just touch your ear for a moment. And make it your prayer. Holy Spirit, help me to be listening to you. Move your hand over to your eye. Close it, your eye and just... Touch your eye. Spirit, may I see what you see. Help me to see what you are doing. Don't let me be blind to what you're doing. And then look down at your feet. Paul wrote, keep in step with the Spirit. Pray with me, won't you, Spirit? Help me to keep in step with you. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going. And I offer myself anew to you in this adventure of listening to you, looking for you, and walking with you. Amen. Let's sing, Pastor. Can we? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me. Melt me. Mold me. God bless you all. Amen. Go in peace.
Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.